Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, I'm Georgie Corridge-Cole and welcome to today's Sherlock's In Conversation with podcast. Today I'm joined by my co-host Charlotte Collins and two special guests, Lucy Fry and M. Caton Thick. Lucy is a writer and a speaker and M. an artist and they're joining us today to celebrate Pride Month. They're going to be sharing their coming out stories, their advice for those who might be struggling with their sexuality and I'm hoping their hopes for the next generation of gay women. Welcome both of you. Hi. Hey. Thank you for coming. Thank you for giving up your time. It's Pride Month. I mean, Pride is now so big. I remember back in the day, I mean, Pride started in the 90s. It's been going that long. And it used to be one day. And I remember people, gay or otherwise, just getting really excited because it was like a festival in London and a massive piss up. And... It's got bigger and bigger and bigger, and it's it's now a whole month. Take Damn right. We at Shilux really believe in having conversations, in empowering women, in perhaps going to the difficult places that people might not be able to go to on their own. And so here we are. I'm always very aware that I say the wrong thing, so don't be offended. <laughs> uh, Never. Because I'm like, shit, I'm so unpolitically correct. But I you do ask. But I care, and I do ask. <laughs> Doing well so far. Um, so, do you prefer to be called a lesbian or a gay woman? You're looking at me, but I feel like we're different generations. I'm, I'm sort of 40 this year, and Emma's, I mean, I can see from your skin that you're Sunday. far younger. Oh my goodness, <laughs> yeah. wow. Okay, so you're aging well. Wow. So maybe, maybe we're not, not so, so different. different, but I think we may have different views on this. I went for gay, don't particularly like lesbian, then went for pansexual, then so sexually fluid. Now I'd just be called sexual. I mean, I don't care. <laughs> Love that. Call, call me what you want, probably not heterosexual. Without sounding too cliched, like I reserve the right to self-identify and it's what I think about myself that matters and people can call me what they want, but they tend to say that I'm pretty gay. So I have to say to everyone, I went to school with Lucy and we haven't seen each other for 20 years, but you are a writer and I've quietly followed you from the sidelines for years and you're pretty confident and strong. You're obviously very comfortable in your own skin, maybe not These always. days, yeah, after 10 years of therapy. <laughs> okay. I, I would say confidence doesn't negate vulnerability is what I'd say to that. I'm confident in my sexuality. It took me a couple of years to get there. Uh, I had a lot of shame and internalized homophobia, definitely, when I came out. I was 26. Well, we'll get into that. But um, I literally wake up every morning. I'm like, huh, yeah, I'm gay. This is awesome. I just oh, love it. Amazing. I love it. Feel, you were but, but always that, confident, though. You were confident. We were, yeah, I was the year above you. You were... You blow me. It doesn't <laughs> apply when you're nearly 40. <laughs> you must be 40 already then. You're all right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. One point to you, well done. Anyway, Touché. you were both ahead of the same house, both got it sporty, 
both quite confident. Mm. I think that's a brilliant point. Confidence does not negate vulnerability. I love that. Never. I'm going to write that on my wall. Never. Um, and people can be horrible to you if they think you're confident. Yeah. And, Damn right. And yeah. not see... And you're a confident person, yeah. Charlotte. But too. people think I'm more confident than I am and therefore think it's okay to yeah. tear me down. Yeah. yeah. Emily... Yeah, I mean, perhaps it's a question. Yeah, I, I identify well. I call myself gay, I guess, most commonly, um, or lesbian. They're the only two phrases I use really. But I think gay is quite encompassing, which I like, um, mm. and I'm just very like proud of who I am. Now, similarly, when I came out, it was not like that. I think um, I had a lot of self doubt, and I thought I was quite on my own. I didn't realize there was a lovely community, and I certainly wouldn't like brag about it or or talk openly about it. So. I've actually got my first therapy session tonight, so ten years oh. from now, maybe I'll be, <laughs> maybe I'll be where you are. I'm yeah. sure you'll move quicker than I big did. Big day, big day today. Yeah. Wow. wow, that is a big day, and that's because you feel you need it. Yeah, I mean, I don't I know mean, who doesn't can, need therapy. Who, frankly. Well, that's kind of what I'm coming to realise. I think, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. My confidence has grown massively in the last few years. I would never have done this five years ago or something. Well, thank you for uh, thank you there. for giving out your time and doing it because I'm sure there are women listening who are gay. And that's what we're hoping in today is that there are women who are gay, who are unsure about their sexuality, are fluid, who are whatever they are, and don't know how to broach the conversation. Can we start with, at what point did you know you were gay? I mean, do you think you always knew? Well, retrospectively, it's slightly different. When I became conscious of it, I could look back all the way through to primary school and be like, uh, (laughs) of course, I got it. So in that way, I suppose I would, I think I probably am gay, but now I... I would feel more sexually fluid. But certainly I look back and I think, yes, I did fulfil all those cliches of being the only girl in the football team until you came along, Georgie, and joined (laughs) the football team. Um, I think you'll find I was in the football team first. (laughs) That is not my experience, as we say in therapy. And, you know, being super tomboyish. I remember the school disco, actually, at our our school, where we could wear whatever we wanted. All the young girls, in fact, they were all in kind of skirts and dressings, and I turned up basically looking like Danny from Greece, you know, with a leather jacket on and, and... gelled hair and so there were all those cliches which doesn't by any means mean that you're going to turn out mm. as anything non-heterosexual but it now makes sense but it did for me and those cliches were right and they're there for a reason however I think I was quite blessed that my parents had absolutely no idea what to look for and so they happily called me Andrew for three years as a joke you know because I wanted to be called Andrew I don't know why I chose that name so and I think that that kind of gender it wasn't even gender dysphoria but like a desire to be identified more as a boy was all to do with sexuality it's nothing actually I feel very happy with my gender identification now then when I did actually come out at 26 then it all made sense I was completely unconscious of it until I started having dreams about hot blonde women and how old were you when that happened I remember I was in my third year at uni I was 21 oh so quite um relatively late yeah that's quite a gap and then I continued to to sort of ignore it and and date men I was going to say, did you date men? Did you have relationships? I'd, I had many relationships. Men, I didn't kiss a woman until I was 26. I'm ever regretful about that. <laughs> All those wasted years. Mm, yeah, I have yeah. a feeling you made up for it. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> Read her book. She said it's quite X-rated. I was like, that's fine. We can do X-rated. <laughs> yeah, I need a copy of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you might do. Um, M, what about you? Did you always know? When did no, you- not at all. I think, and I think this says quite a lot about sort of the lack of gay narrative when I was growing up actually it, it seems obvious now there was there were so many signs but I, it wasn't until I was 20 I think that the idea genuinely even crossed my mind mm. and then it went from there to me coming out quite quickly I think but you know at school I had flings with with guys but I couldn't 
get my head around why people like sleeping with men so much. <laughs> it's really terrible. <laughs> that would have been your clue. Yeah. 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 Well, I don't know if that changes when you're... Well, that's well, the thing. I guess it's not always, really. it's not always fantastic, <laughs> is it? But to, genuinely to the point where for a couple of years I thought I might be asexual. That's how naive I was about, about it all. It's so mad now, but I think society even 10 years ago was so different. Or 15 years ago, you know, what you're shown on TV or like no one in my school was out. Um, I'm sure that's changed Well, you were at big school. Yeah. And just everyone around me was dating boys and at parties was getting with boys. You know, I don't think I was necessarily a sheep, but that's all I knew. So that's what I did. And that was until I was, yeah, 19 or 20. And then I think at second year of uni, one of my friends must have had an idea because she was telling me about a lesbian that was in her halls with her. And it all kind of just triggered something. Well, she, she almost identified it. Yeah, I think, well, that, yeah, when my parents find out, my dad was like, well, yeah, I know. I was like, oh, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> Would have been really helpful to know that five years ago. My friends but, are the same. They, they yeah. were like, I was like, I've got this big thing to tell you. You know, I've fallen in love with a woman. They were like, yeah, cool. Do you want, what do you want to drink? Yeah. <laughs> and when that really hurt. I was, I felt a lot of shame about the fact that they had seen something mm. that I hadn't seen about me. Yeah, yeah. It made me want to go into a hole. But of course, they were just trying to be super cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's the thing, not batting an eyelid. But. Yeah. I grew up being really friendly with a guy. I mean, we all knew. I, yeah. I just don't think he knew yet. Yeah, it's he not was, around you. you yeah. don't see yeah. it. It's not it's in not, your conscious awareness. Yeah. Then, unless you're like absolutely 150% like just gay, mm. then you're probably not going to find it until mm. bang, it's right there. Mm. But I get that, that idea of shame, because it's almost like, knowing that there was a spotlight on you that you had never seen and that everybody, yeah, well, they, everyone talking they talked about, about it. Yeah, yeah exactly. that horrible yeah. thing that people talk talking yeah. about. Which doesn't yeah. mean that it was in a negative way. Exactly. But of course, of course. You, you feel bad for your younger self as well, I think, that you kind of didn't, weren't listening to them or didn't give them the opportunity mm. to be a certain way and just kind of this blink of vision, just plowing on with this unhappy lifestyle. Mm. And did you, once you knew... Were you like, right, I'm telling everyone? Or did you try and hide it? Did you try and change it? um, But from the realisation to the coming out, I think it sounds like it was much quicker than yours. I think it was only a few months, actually. I told my sisters. I remember one night when we were out and I was just all tearful and they were obviously like, whatever. And then my sister actually told my mum, which was quite nice. I didn't have to do that. Did you want her to do that? Well, we hadn't planned it beforehand. I had a male friend come stay at my parents for the weekend and my mum at that point was just desperate for me to we got excited. have some kind of relationship with anyone. So after we'd gone, she was pestering my sister. Lizzie was all um, like hangover, cranky, so d- didn't want to be answering her questions. <laughs> so she was like, oh, Emma and Freddie are a thing. And then apparently she just said no because she's gay. And then texted me saying, by the way, mum knows. And um, that was nice. That was fine for me. So I didn't want to okay. have to have that conversation. And did, then she told my dad. Did yeah. you then subsequently talk to your mum about it? I always have this thing about parents where... If you're heterosexual, you never really sit your parents down and say, yeah. by the way, I like sleeping with the opposite sex. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's such a good point. It's awkward. Yeah. It's yeah. awkward. It's just, I don't know why it's kind of, ex- why coming out is expected of people. Obviously, sometimes it's essential. But, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to talk to my mum about sex in, in any yeah. capacity normally no, either <laughs> and I'm straight yeah so <laughs> no. she did she did try bless her but I was, was like yeah it's fine I'll, I'll tell you when when you need to know about things yeah how did they react to telling their friends I mean I feel like this it probably will only get easier for parents mm. from here on yeah but you know I remember my white brother marrying somebody yeah. black from Uganda and like that was a big 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 thing mm. 30 whatever it had many years ago and that was rightly or wrongly like quite hard for a generational thing for my set down it was a generational thing and god everyone then got on brilliantly and but you know there was like an adaption process Mm. and and yeah it was a generational Mm. thing i feel like now if my children turn around and tell me that they're gay and they're happy i'll be 
fucking delighted. I mean, literally, just all I want is happy, healthy, confident children. Maybe this is naive, but I can't imagine that our generation's children will have to have those conversations. Because as you say, and now sexual fluidity is so... so There's such a big conversation around it. And it's so different. Or or maybe it's not different. There's so much more out there. I do think I would require... My children, I don't have children, but I don't think I'd require them to come up and tell me. You could be anything you want to be, you just got to be happy. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, my parents were, were amazing. I, I knew they would be, really. My mum's an artist, and I think, to be honest, I think it lends kudos to her bohemian. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this bohemian image that she's carefully curated over the last few years. So I'm the youngest of five children, so really... it was probably inevitable one of us was going to be a turncoat. So, yeah, they've always been amazing. What were your parents like, Lucy? Well, at the time they were separating, so they were going through a huge amount themselves. And I think they already had a lot to deal with kind of emotionally. And it it was a shock, you know, in the same way that it wasn't a shock to any of my friends who were kind of had some gaydar and were like aware of this stuff. My parents were the opposite. They didn't have a single gay friend. They, They would probably notice a super queenie guy down the street and be like, he's gay. But other than that, they just didn't see it. So for them, I think it was the shock and I didn't deal with it very well in the way I told them. My brother found it hardest, I think. I emailed my mother and I barely even told my father. I just kind of let the news filter through because we weren't talking much at the time. So they, I think they did struggle with it a bit. My mum's first reaction was... Did you understand that? At the time, no. At the time, I was so desperate to be held and to be understood. I couldn't cope with it. Mm. Now, yeah, totally. Um, My mum's first reaction, I have to say, was, whatever you do, I love you. You know, it was absolutely Mm. clear. But it was obvious to me that she was worried about what people would think. Mm. And I can now see that that's her stuff and not mine. But at the time, I was incredibly fragile and felt quite unsupported. My sister, on the other hand, was just like, cool, what's it like to kiss a woman? (laughs) Um, And, you know, has been absolutely like 100% behind me on that. So different people react different ways, I guess. It can be very challenging. Yeah. How would you describe (laughs) the subsequent years to you coming out? You describe it, not me. You came out, you were like, whoa, it's finally out there. I can live my life. I can go for it. That was liberating, I presume. Must have some steam. Exciting. Well, it's very hard to sort of separate out a a kind of sexuality journey from the rest of one's life, you Mm. know. And I also got sober at 30 and and I'm nearly 10 years sober and and went into therapy and um, have since nearly finished training as a psychotherapist as well and have written books and and had a kid and, you know, all this stuff that is all swept up in it but if I just talk about sexuality and try and pull that out then I'd say you know it was great for a while and I I think that I did come to realize I was much happier with my now ex but with very good friends wife Bella and we lived a good life we got civilly partnered I think I probably did that to try and be accepted I'm not sure that I would make that choice again right um Purely because I'm not sure I believe in... And when you say civilly partnered, sorry, was that before marriage was legalised yeah. in the way it is yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because it was quite a long time ago, wasn't 2011, it? 2011, I think, that we did that. And, you know, we went to Chelsea Town Hall and we had a big party and we both wore white dresses. And looking back, it's pretty obvious to me that I would have been happier in a kind of kick-ass white trouser suit. I wanted them to see, hey, look, we can be in two dresses. I think yeah. I had a point to prove. Anyway, then Bella and I, we were together for 12 years. This is going to lead to a bigger conversation, maybe or maybe another podcast, but three years before we split up, we opened up our relationship because I met someone else and she wanted to be free to be non-monogamous. And I met someone who completely transformed my sexuality and my life. And, you know, I have since separated from, but it still makes me deeply sad to think about, although it was the right decision. 
But it, it was four years of like just a whole new world and coming out again as polyamorous, which I'm currently not anymore. But, you know, so all these different coming outs and, you know, this is who I am then. Now I'm, I'm not straight, I'm gay. Oh, now I'm going to become a non-biological mother. Now I've got a wife and a girlfriend. How does that work? Um, does it ever? Uh, <laughs> I think it can. It didn't. No, and I'm fascinated. We, you talk, we talked about this on the phone briefly. You I, said I, I think I definitely. Yeah, well, I'm now writing a book, a, a nonfiction book about the different relationship choices. And I've interviewed a lot of people for whom it does work. I think it can work at different phases in different ways. For me, it was a lot to cope with. We were three women with quite a lot of attachment issues. I don't, I don't think it worked for us. But I think it can. And do you think, you know, the need to kind of repeatedly come out or identify as whatever that thing may be is something that you feel the need to do, like, for your own identity or something that kind of society demands of you? I felt at the time like I did because I wanted to give my girlfriend some visibility. Mm. Like, and that was very important to her. But I did keep it too secret for too long. And that was really painful and destructive mm. for her, I think. And I wish I hadn't. Coming out as non-monogamous was a hundred times harder than coming out as gay. I got more judgment, especially around my son. You're going to fuck your kid up. Do you have no idea what you're doing? Like from people really close to me. Mm. Um, and I had more shame around that and more difficulty, like without a doubt. I think in the long run, it was probably maybe sticking a plaster on our marriage a bit because we both still adored each other. And now we've realized we can just be friends and co-parents mm. and that's okay. And now I'm in a new relationship that is consciously monogamous and I feel increasingly really joyful about it and it's calm and, and it's right for me where I am right now. Mm. But both of my previous important relationships have, have made me who I am and mm. were extraordinarily powerful. So I don't know if that answers any of your questions. <laughs> I feel like I yeah, could yeah, go yeah, on forever. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. And let's come on to motherhood in a minute. Um, can we talk to you about relationships and have yeah, you I mean, had significant relationships long-term relationships god my journey sounds incredibly vanilla now i mean after i came out to it was kind of an anticlimax you know i still didn't really know any lesbians i was quite naive about lesbians even existing i assumed that there were hardly any around and that i was i was always going to be on my own um, so and I kind that of must be hard actually. Yeah, it was quite lo- it was quite know. lonely, and it was obviously before dating apps existed. So it's quite a sm- yeah. you had quite a small circle. So I just was kind of on my own for for quite a long time. I had this kind of fling with someone, and that didn't work out. And then for a few years, it was semi bleak to be honest. And then dating apps came out, and that changed. That's so interesting. Changed my life, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely my love life mm. and my sex life. See, because yeah, obviously. How do you know? Well, that's the thing. I mean, especially what eight years ago or yeah. something. I mean, you have to go to a gay bar. You have to go to a gay bar, and that's and then that's quite a specific set of people. Mm. Um, and they're all being shut down. Yeah. Uh, are they? Oh, there's just not. There's not such Less demand. Well, so yeah. we're at this kind of transition phase where. Then, you know, you don't need the gay bars anymore, but you do need the gay bars. Yeah, the lovely things. And do you things. want to be in a gay bar? Yeah, I would. I enjoy gay bars, but I wouldn't go there to meet someone. You wouldn't want to rely on that as your main source, certainly. <laughs> source of, of <laughs> food <laughs> and drink. <laughs> so yeah, dating apps came out and that opened my eyes massively because you meet so many more people. I mean, I'd never really dated before. It made me much more well-rounded, I think, and understood the kind of culture and society that I was part of and like, made me really enjoy it and be proud of it and stop wishing that I wasn't gay. Did it help you identify 
what kind of woman you were looking for because I, I imagine there's a sort of oh well I know lesbian so let's set yeah. you up because you're it a lesbian still happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. but, but you know yeah, Jesus Christ actually, I mean but... how many men am I not compatible with so yeah. I can imagine that gets pretty tedious yeah I mean I think I always knew that I was kind of into very effeminate women women that you know not again not to feed into stereotype that you wouldn't necessarily assume were gay at a glance which for me definitely made it harder and that's why dating apps were so great because obviously it gives you you know much wider scope it was a great journey and I have had three long-term relations well long-term-ish a year or so but I didn't have a girlfriend until I was 26 and they and they also I think helped shape me make me a much better person you mentioned at the beginning finding a community and mm-hmm. a group of people did, like did that come for you from dating or how did you find yeah. I mean, is it friends is it you know just an awareness that there are other people out there what does that look I like I think definitely dating apps and the beauty of dating women I think this is true to say over heterosexual dating maybe is the strength of the bond you form with people even on the first or second date you get really strong relationships with them and I'm really good friends with lots of girls I've dated that you know didn't go anywhere we weren't compatible mm. in that respect but some of my best friends I, I met on dating apps yeah. and that's a really nice thing someone said to me once who was gay very happily gay said I would still choose for my child not to be because Depends life be would be up. so much easier but do you some... feel like life is harder because in my personal experience I've not really encountered much negativity at all. I've had much more joy from it than the negativity. The only things that spring to mind are, you know, classic gross men in, in clubs that think you're kissing a girl for their benefit or just tell you've not slept with the right guy before, mm. and, you know, that kind of gross stuff. But you get gross stuff from men as you get straight stuff girl from men as well. So, yeah. yeah, try and stop them. Uh, so, maybe you haven't slept with the right guy. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe you had a point, yeah. <laughs> Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah, again, I work in a company full of women. The creative space is very open. You know, I live in London. I'm from Brighton, so I think these things help. These things really. help massively. I know that I'm the exception, probably rather than rather than the rule. Maybe not the exception, but yes, you're yeah. in the right. But yeah, I would have I would absolutely right have no qualms about having a gay child in terms of my experience. I mean, nothing nothing yeah. is more painful than trying to fit into a box you don't fit into. Yeah. So I would never wish that for my child. I think it entirely depends where you're living. You're living in Uganda. It's not, yeah, it's exactly. not, I wouldn't wish that for my child. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got a lot of that from, I think it was my mom, but my parents in general and people just saying, parents sort of wanting to protect, saying, I just know your life's going to be a lot harder. Mm-hmm. And I get that, but, but also there's that lots of things well. that are hard. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fucking hard being a freelance writer. It's, it's hard to be driven towards therapy as a profession, but it's really hard to pushed down you know because gayness for me is about every single part of who I am it feeds into so I can't suppress that that's the worst thing I would ever want my child to do 
But if they were going to live in a world where they would get correctly raped or assaulted or murdered for being gay, then yeah, I probably would rather they pushed mm. it down. I mean, mm. survival. But again, you have to hope that we're in a world now where children who are growing up now who are gay are going to live in an easier society for them. But, but we're in, not. In this society. You don't, you don't we are. But. Well, in London, and maybe not even parts of the UK, middle America, no way. No, no, most of Africa, no corrective, way. Russia. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we are, that's why when people say yeah, we don't wear the pride f- anymore, it's like, no, 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 we yeah. do. And like maybe a piss up here, but yeah. And then talk about society, I mean. Well, now we're dealing with microaggressions and we're also dealing with the kind of homophobia that comes in sort of um, WhatsApp chats where it goes, oh my God, mate, this is so gay. Uh, check out these homosexuals. And it's like all these videos. You know, now we're dealing with that level of discrimination here. Yeah. But people are still being killed around yeah. the world. Yeah, and even in rural communities in like, yeah, Northern England where you must feel incredibly alone and yeah. really isolated. And, and I have a friend who's been through 10 years of uh, gay conversion therapy having grown up in West of England. Mm. I was about to say, conversion therapy was only... That was only, was it was like only last deep, week, Yeah, right? I think it was yeah. as, as recent as last week. Yeah, which last is week it was, it was fully mental. Made illegal, which, yeah. I mean, absurd. Yeah. Can we talk about motherhood? Let's. It's uh, my favourite subject. Oh, what's your story? So you're separated from your... I am separated from my son Rufus, his other mum. Although we're co-parenting super happily now, and she only lives two roads away. So Amazing. that's easy. And we have family time as well. Like we try and do it about once a week where we have a meal together or we go out on an outing or something. I mean, I think if you say that two women do that, people go, oh, that's really normal. I remember doing a workshop with a load of guys from Key for Life, this charity we work with. And, they, and he was like, yeah, I'm friends with my baby mama. And they, someone said, put your hand up, you've got anything you're proud of. And just mm, sat yeah. there. And I was like, that's the thing yeah. I'm that's the most proud of. That's a big deal. Yeah. That life. we separated like that. Yeah. yeah. And I take my hat off to anybody, whether they're two women, two men, a man or women, that. Oh, it's not necessarily that. easy. But I mean, there's a lot of resentment. Child, I think that's. That was amazing. the plan. But also, you know, she is the only other person in the world who I can wax lyrical to for about 15 minutes without stopping about how <laughs> incredible our child is. That like, why would I lose him? Yeah. Yeah. And we went through all of that together, you know, the insemination process. And, the, and you know, why would I not want to be deeply connected to her? Mm. Apart from the fact that one of the things that screws up kids the most is hearing their parents about Mal, but I'm a parent. So it was really her. She was the driving force. She wanted to be pregnant. She always wanted to be pregnant. I never did. So that was simple. She found a, a donor. We went through a series of very strange people. One guy we found was proposing to sort of donate to about 60 people. Um, he wants to set up a Facebook group for all the half siblings. Oh, love oh my God. Get together and have That's so American. <laughs> anyway, there were lots of, and then some other people were like, yeah, you can have the sperm anytime you like. I'd like to <laughs> deliver naturally, preferably to both of you at the same oh, time. Oh, great. <laughs> I think my wife was so desperate to have a baby that she sort of slightly didn't see quite a lot of this dysfunction. And so, but we were very lucky. We then found someone on a website who we met up with for coffee and clicked with immediately. And he is still somebody we're in communication with. And we send the odd photo of our son too. And who I'm so thankful for every day. My wife had one miscarriage, then she was able to conceive again. Then we had Rue and... I wasn't sure what to expect as a non-biological mother. I think it was suggested to me by family members that I might not bond with him properly because he wasn't mine. I never worried about that. I just was like, am I going to be able to keep writing? You know, what if my life ends? Will I ever sleep again? Yeah, I was worried about all those (laughs) things. But it's been the most transformative experience ever. And he and I look really alike, which is bizarre. How so lovely. He's four, just turned four. And the process, like legally, now that you're separated... We're because it's, we're civilly partnered, I'm right. on the birth certificate. Right. I absolutely have 50% responsibility for him. Mm-hmm. Amazing. 
financially and otherwise. But that wouldn't have been the case if you didn't have that partnership. If you go through a clinic, I'm actually not hot on this, so I don't know. But if you go through a clinic, I think not. I mean, I think, yes, it is protected. Mm-hmm. If, but that would be a worry, wouldn't it? Like if, if you, you hear stories worry. about people that mm-hmm. are together for 20 years and then, I don't know, the spouse dies and they have yeah. no rights over the child. Or fraud. Yeah, no, that was, property, all that kind we checked yeah. all that out. But we did an at-home artificial insemination. So the whole thing cost us about 200 quid. I was about to say, oh, so no IVF, no... Just no, turkey basically. The donor would come around. <laughs> In and out. Um, we would have a, a lovely but slightly awkward conversation. <laughs> My wife and I would go out for a long-ish walk. Um, he would text to say I'm done Three we'd come back in um, get the stuff put it where it needed to go and that was it she'd sit with her legs up the wall and I'd go and make oh. burgers and what a day <laughs> all yeah. in the evening after work yeah so efficient <laughs> what are you doing tonight yeah. um, you know and it was all down to the generosity of this man really because we, he, as far as I know he had some friends who hadn't been able to conceive straight couple and it had started him thinking about what he wants to do for people does make you realise how, I mean, without pointing out the bleeding obvious, it makes you realize how much easier it is for gay women than men. Yes, um, but I, ha- I do know female couples who've had quite a lot of sort of difficulty deciding who's going to have the baby and who isn't. There can be quite a lot of jealousy mm, and yeah, I'm sure. envy around that. I mean, we never had that at all. And then every time she really pissed me off when we were separating, I just thought about the fact that she had pushed to have our baby and then pushed him out into the world and what that and the stoicism there. And I just. I kind of, my anger would evaporate, so I just would call that to mind. What's your messaging to him now? And are you both mum? I'm mummy Oo, and she's mummy B. The reason I'm mummy Oo is because he couldn't say mummy Lou, so he said mummy Poo, and I was like, no, we're not having it. <laughs> <laughs> that will not stick. We'll go with Oo <laughs> yes. um, at the moment. But he turned around the other day and went, you are mummy, and mummy B is mum. So he's starting yeah. to talk about it. He's got a friend who's got two dads, which we've really nurtured that relationship, so mm. he sees that there's difference mm. there. Um, he still comes out with mummies and daddies. That's his norm. He knows that from books, from TV. He knows that he's different. He outs me all the time. Walk down the street. He goes, "I have two mummies. <laughs> this one is here, mummy. Ooh, and mummy B is over there." And right. I mean, I probably out myself the minute I walk. But he <laughs> he does that. He knows something. And he knows how, he's got two. How mums. do you feel about the fact that that narrative is still so much about hetero relationships, and that's still his norm, as you say? I just hope that. We get it right. I just, I guess I've been focusing so much on his emotional development that I've sort of not been too worried about him. And also, if I'm really honest, and I hate to fall into stereotypes here, but, you know, I do fulfill quite a sort of typical archetypal good father role in that I am the one who always tossed him up in the air, who tipped him upside down, who tickled him. She was always the one who's like, oh, be careful. She breastfed him the whole time, all the way through, although he had a go on mine quite a lot. Um, so... We have got those roles, and I think that's useful, but I do need to really start thinking about some really good male figures in his life now. Mm. I think that's going to become really important. Mm. It's not very politically correct, is it, to say, I worry that my son will need more male role models, but I do. I think straight girls benefit from having male role models in their lives as well. My godfathers, I love them. My godmother, both of them. Um, How do you feel about... Parenthood, I mean, putting you on this... I thought this might be coming. I'm not sure is the answer. I'm definitely not desperate for a child now. I'm not that keen on children in general. Um, I have a nephew who is obviously at the top of my list. Being an aunt is like the best. Mm. Yeah. Doesn't really get any better to do anything boring stuff. I think if anything, having children in my life, as much as I love those children, has made me more aware that I'm absolutely not ready to be a parent. (laughs) And I don't really want to change my life that much, which I hear babies do. And (laughs) I I don't know. I I think it's being responsible for something else. Even, I really want a dog. I'm trying to get a rescue dog at the moment. But 
even that I'm like gonna have to be responsible for something all the time I also I've never met anyone that I can kind of imagine being with for the rest of my life so I guess that's step one mm. sorry to try. The, no, the, none fine. of those things are sexuality related really are they no I don't I think relate so. to quite a lot of those things yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah. although you have now got a dog I, I've got a dog and I've got a husband and so like, okay. a bit of the way there but, um, <laughs> yeah like you know that's... yeah I did exactly and I am um, like I said I'm the youngest of five and I'm 30 so my parents obviously by this point thought they'd be awash with grandkids and they've only got one so far I think it's a, again a generational thing no one's the expected average first time mother at the Chelsea and Westminster it's my favourite stat. It's 38. 38, yeah. Wow. Couldn't believe that. It's encouraging. That's older than you would think, right? When yeah. My girlfriend had a third load. She well, you know, I'm a bit older. What are you talking about? Mm. You're spring chicken. She was like, you just had your third. And yeah. actually, there's nine. I change so much between 26 and 36. Mm. And you go through that. I, I think we change a lot now in our late 20s, early 30s. And I felt like I'd grown enough, just enough to become a parent. I couldn't have done it any earlier without completely screwing him up, I think. Yeah, I think if I meet the right person, that might change. But it has to be the person that you could... This is how I think of it now. It's like, who could I separate from and still be civil with? Who can I cope with being in my life for the rest of my life? Yeah. Because you never know how a relationship's going to go. And I know I picked the right person for that. Um, I think she feels the same. It's like, who can I tolerate at family gatherings forever? (laughs) Who can I abide to? Who do I want by my side with my crazy family? And you said you were starting therapy this evening. Yes. Is that to confront mental health issues related to being gay, or is is that a separate thing? And if it is, tell me to. No, no, no. To be, I mean, it's a, you know, it's an obvious question. I think what I don't know is how intertwined they are. Like one of my first memories is talking to my mum about how anxious I felt when I was eight or something. Um, and I've always had that, and I should have had therapy ages ago, basically. So I was anxious way before I realised I was gay. Whether it was whether I was anxious because I knew something was going on that I wasn't aware of, like I don't. Just, yeah, I don't know. But um, I just want to try and relieve some of this anxiety, and I'd be interested as well in kind of what I learn about myself. Mm-hmm. A gay friend shared a thing on Instagram. It must have been at the beginning of the month to mark the fact that it was Pride Month, but it was saying something like. So many gay people have to hide their identity for so long until they come out mm. that they then spend their adult lives unpicking the, the fact that they were trying to be somebody they weren't for such a long time. So not only are they dealing with the kind of all the shit that, you know, heterosexual people deal with as well, they then have the fact that they were hiding their identity for such a long time and kind of how that much that would fuck you up, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And also just to say what I was thinking of earlier when we were talking about countries where people get killed is that, you know, one thing I never realised and then when I came out I realised is that choosing where to go on holiday is difficult. You know, and you always get looked at around the pool. But... I don't want to give my money to certain places. Like Absolutely. I've been to the Caribbean a lot on press trips. I love it. But St. Lucia was tricky. You know, when you're in a taxi and you're asked, what does your husband do? And I would be like, he works in theatre because mm. I made that call that I, you it's know. Dangerous. I mean, I, I, mm. Yeah, it's dangerous. And it's still illegal in a lot of yeah. places in the Caribbean. So, you know, there are places all over the world that I just wouldn't go. Dubai, nice place to go for five days of really hot sun. No way. Well, yeah, I wouldn't no way. way. Not even on my own. On the whole, there are so many things that you only realise when you come out that are actually still different. And when I came out, it was 2009, I think, and I don't know if it was just me, but I found booking hotels very difficult and turning up at reception as two women. I think a lot of that was my own shame. So how have you overcome that? Or are there places you've gone for information that have told you what you can book on a day? Are there other 
bits of advice you can share with people who might be not where you are at this stage, Lucy, which seems somebody very comfortable in their own skin. And... I do feel that nowadays. I just think self-acceptance is a big project, you know. And then, then, as I said, you know, sexuality might be a bigger piece of that project for some people. For me, it was a medium-sized piece and other pieces were around kind of I don't know, accepting my shame about other things and, and working through other issues that I had. So I, I think it's all about self-acceptance, self-compassion, as a, just viewing that as like the journey, to use that term, um, rather than I am going to sort out my sexuality. It might, it, that might be the springboard, but there's and always it, more to it. Are there other books you've read or things you've listened to, people you've turned to, places you've gone to for guidance or help, or do you just have to figure it out yourself, do you think? I did a lot of figuring it out myself and I think that's what I realised was really lacking when I was growing up. Um, I didn't really have a sort of gay role model that would have helped normalise it, I think, and encourage me to grow into that space. So it was a lot about figuring it out myself without anyone around me. Um, I mean, I think my first foray was, I guess you watched The L Word. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> this is a sort of gateway TV series for lesbians, I think. Um, so it's like important. The, it's one of the only series that actually had mostly lesbian protagonists. And that was quite a long time ago. That was a long time. They just released a new series. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. One last summer, one coming this summer. And I, you know, I classic had the box set under my bed. Mm, me too. Yeah. And then the builders came and painted my room, and it was just up on the shelf next to Sugar Rush. I was like, yeah, <laughs> outed. Who are the role models now? Yeah, I was going to say if you. Well, I mean, Ellen's been huge. I was going to say, yeah. is it such a cliche? Well, because but you, no, but she's, she's older and she's, she's still, still, yeah, 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 yeah. Clever woman. Yeah. You know, people who are out. Sandy Toxvig. Sandy Toxvig. She's amazing. But, do you, but as in, if you know, they're all fantastic, of course, but who, who's out there or what literature or TV is there out there? I think that obviously it's increased a lot, but the, the presence is still really lacking. Mm-hmm. I think, you think of sort of mainstream media films that have been released in the last 10 years, you know, mm-hmm. how, how many of them have, have had main lesbian characters mm. I can think of where it's not about lesbian where it's not about that's what's so important like the adverts yes. are coming out for Colgate no. she's where a lawyer she, yeah. 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 yeah it's not like oh there's that gay advert yeah. not... have you seen Booksmart yeah they that's... do that really well yeah I think, I think, I think really fan- well. fantastic it's yeah. happening it's happening yeah. when we were talking about this and someone in our team said to me you know you're a slightly different generation to some people in our team and mm. there'll be people in our team you know, I'm 40, who are in the early 20s, who don't need educating on this. And to me, there isn't that much out there. And to me, not that it's not normal, because I wouldn't bat an eyelid if somebody was gay, but to me, it doesn't feel massively mainstream, certainly, no, in the media, I still don't or as you say. Been, yeah, yeah there happens to be three sisters in this. Yeah. One of them's a lawyer, she's married to a woman. One of them's a something. Yeah. It's... The narrative is around the fact that they are a lesbian. And, not I, think, and I think it's women in particular. I feel like there's, there's much more narrative yeah, it's around being men. Yeah, the lag is yeah. there for sure. So I think. far, yeah. yeah. And I think it's important to say it's part of a bigger conversation about difference, you know, and this relates to everything around race issues to trans issues to anything around not being in the norm, whatever the hell that is. But Majority. Yeah, yeah, the majority, yeah. And I guess I embrace that. It's like, yes, I'm not in the majority and I love it. And I find being gay really sexy. Like, I, I feel hot being a gay woman and being out. So obviously it's right for me, you know, but also I'm not repressed in our society at all. Mm. Um, so I've just been able to embrace it. But what it's advi- a bigger question. Mm. And what advice can you give to people listening? I mean, I can't, I can't because... give you the, 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 the quick fix. I have spent, as I said, 10 years... I keep saying 10, it's probably 11 now, in and out of therapy. I have read so many 
self-development books I've worked so hard I've been on courses not and just about you, my sexuality but about but the self-development and if I'm you could go back to your 26 year old self oh god I just give her the what biggest hug yeah um and I tell her that everyone else's shame is theirs and loads of people project onto you and I just say follow your heart you know I, I feel quite emotional answering that question because I was so locked up in so many ways you probably just you'd recognize my sense of humor and my voice and, that, and my face and that'll be it like I just feel so much more chilled now. I've made it my life as well. I've written about it. I've, I'm training in it. I also think that's an age. And as, <clears throat> yeah, I'm 40. You're nearly there. But, you know, I feel like there comes that confidence with age. Mm. And I'm a heterosexual woman yeah, with a fairly, does. like, quite traditional life. I definitely feel more confident in myself and who I am. Yeah. And the fact that not everyone's going to like me and... We've all been through ups and downs, yeah. but I feel like I'm finally coming to the age where I'm like, this is me. I've got a loud voice. I'm quite bossy. And yeah, I, I say the wrong thing sometimes, but I'm not a bitch and I do care. And if you didn't like that or you're intimidated by that, like, do you know what? Fine. You can't please everybody. You can't be liked by everybody. But I think that is something that Definitely. maybe as women, we all have to go and, through and most regardless. Most women do say yeah. that. And, and even more so people in their 50s there and their 60s yeah. that every kind of 10 years or so. That it's a journey that you're on yeah. and you know but it you get to that point of self-acceptance mm, yeah. it just takes that time really. yeah um and you're i mean a bit behind lucy age wise but to girls who are listening to this and aren't out yet and you you still you know had nearly a decade of experience of being an lesbian yeah. what what would you say I think what would have helped me is just being told that you're not on your own i genuinely at one point for quite a long time actually when I first came out thought I was going to be alone and lonely for you know I thought that's that was what my life held and just knowing that's not the case um, and that most of the people you meet are going to be wonderful about it and you'll meet some gorgeous people along the way like, like I said some of my best friends I met through dating and I think the main thing you know it's easy to say is just don't be ashamed of it that it's not something to be embarrassed about and that you will come to accept it and that you will come to love it and I think we both feel the same way that you wouldn't then change it for the world and it's an amazing way to be. And for people who are listening, who want to support somebody who has recently come out, or, you know, Lucy, you mentioned people getting it wrong. What, what is the right way, obviously, apart from with tenderness and compassion and love and all of that, what is the right thing to do and the right way to approach it to support somebody? It's the right way to support someone going through any time of transition, change or challenge. And that is to be curious and to not assume anything, to ask questions and to empathize and be like, if it seems like a big deal, say, I can see this is a big deal for you, not, and not say what might feel right, which is being gay is nothing anymore. It's mm -hmm. like, what is going on for you? Tell me about it. I'm so glad you told me. Um, what do you need from me as a friend? Mm -hmm. Should we go and play tennis? You know, like <laughs> acknowledge that it's a yeah. big deal. Yeah, them. acknowledge it's mm -hmm. a big deal and be curious about their experience because it will never be exactly as you think it is. Mm -hmm. And don't treat people differently afterwards, I guess, as well. Can we finish just with some words on Pride Month? How do you feel about Pride Month as gay women? Is it important? Yeah, I mean, it's a horrible cliche of, like, obviously try and be proud all year round. And I know people can see it negatively and it's, you know, companies trying to monetize it and printing all these rainbow T-shirts and things. But I think it's all part of the widest, you know, encouraging positive change longer term, yeah. which is good. Whether people just use it for celebration or to really educate themselves, I think it's just the visibility of it is good. Mm. And it's just a nice reminder to you know, talk about being gay and be proud. You know, I've only got like a very small platform on Instagram, but I try and be as, because I felt like that presence was lacking in my life when I was growing up. I try and be as open about my sexuality as possible 
And I've somehow sort of organically fostered this quite queer community, which is quite nice. Mm. And, you know, if it helps even one person be more open about their sexuality or overcome any insecurities, then that is a positive yeah. thing for me. Because life is short and you don't yeah. want to waste. If you know, don't waste the time. Just, yeah. Yeah, that's sure everyone's going. Yeah, stuff. Pride Month, you know, it's fun celebration. That's yeah. nice. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I feel post COVID that I didn't notice because I assumed everything would be shut. And that's really sad. I think this is really important in terms of modelling to other parts of the world that there are safe places to be and trying to change the views here as well. So I think Pride Month's great, yeah. Mm. It is a lot of drinking drugs, so I think I'm slightly less into it than I used to be. But hey, people need to let off soon. <laughs> Well, thank you both so much for joining us. Well, you shared lots of words of wisdom. I've definitely learned a lot. And yeah, I'm sure that, as you said, you've given some comfort to people listening. Well, I hope so. Fingers thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It was lovely. That's it for today. If you enjoyed that, then do please rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends to listen to. And we'll be back soon. Thanks very much. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 